Hello and welcome to another edition of Resistance TV. Tonight we're going to be discussing how the left should respond to the ongoing Labour purge. Originally we were going to focus on the attacks on local councillors. Uh, only I think last week we saw 19 Labour councillors in Leicester being summarily sacked, one of whom I know personally has been a Labour Party member for 50 years, had served the party with great distinction and loyalty during that entire period. He'd been a parliamentary candidate, been the leader of the council in Leicester, and yet he's been thrown on the scrappy unceremoniously. But of course, that to some extent has been trumped by what's happened to Jeremy Corbyn this week. I've just got a statement from uh, Jeremy that we will perhaps talk about a little bit in a moment when I introduce my two guests, Dave Roberts, who's the former vice president of the uh, Socialist Labour Party, and Phil Bevan, who worked in Jeremy Corbyn's office when Jeremy was the leader. People may have seen on Twitter, Jeremy put a tweet out today saying, I've spent my life fighting for a fairer society on behalf of the people of Islington North, and I have no intention of stopping now. And that was accompanied with a rather longer statement saying, the NEC's decision to block my candidacy for Islington North is a shameful attack on party democracy, party members, and natural justice. When I was leader of the Labour Party, I was determined to build a member-led movement that gave hope to a new generation. Today's disgraceful move shows contempt for the millions of people who voted for our party in 2017 and 2019, and will demotivate those who still believe in the importance of a transformative Labour government. Now, more than ever, we should be offering a bold alternative to the government's programme of poverty, division and repression. Keir Starmer has instead launched an assault on the rights of his own Labour members, breaking his pledge to build a united and democratic party that advances social, economic and climate justice. I will not be intimidated into silence. I've spent my life fighting for a fairer society on behalf of the people of Islington North, and I have no intention of stopping now. So it looks like Jeremy is planning to stand in the general election when it comes in 2024. Uh, but much of what he said, of course, in that statement has, has been the fact for several years now. And um, we saw many people, myself included, but people like Ken Livingston, Jackie Walker, and many others who we've spoken about on this program before, Mark Wadsworth, Tony Greenstein, many of whom were Jewish, were treated in the way in which Jeremy is railing against now. And of course, this was under Jeremy's leadership. And some of us did actually point out that unless we drew a line in the stand and started to fight back and push back against the Zionist lobby, against the right wing attack dogs in the parliamentary Labour Party, ultimately it would consume the socialist movement that we were building and take out Jeremy and, and destroy the, the socialist project that you know millions of people hope would come to fruition. And as I've said on many occasions, we, we climbed to the top of the mountain, glimpsed the promised land, and then we were unceremoniously dragged back down the mountain again. And we have arrived today at the inevitable destination of Jeremy being prevented from being a Labour candidate at the next election. But in reality, I think Jeremy would be far better placed to throw his weight behind an existing political vehicle. There are a number, I think, of credible alternatives that Jeremy could support. The Socialist Labour Party that, uh, that Dave used to be the vice president of and is a member now, and obviously I'm a member of, and the resistors agreed to join forces with the Socialist Labour Party. There is the Workers' Party, and of course, there's the Trade Union and Socialist Coalition. So there are a number of vehicles out there. And I think Jeremy's 
considering the support that he has out there, his credibility, which he still has with millions of people, uh, could go a long way, in my opinion, it, to generate support, not just for himself in Islington North, but for an alternative to the Labour Party and, and the Tories. And, and let's remember that two out of three people in this country, according to a poll that was published, I think, a couple of three weeks ago, want to see an alternative political vehicle being established to challenge both the Tories and the Labour Party. So I think there's appetite out there. Uh, we're on, you know, potentially, you know, ploughing fertile soil, if I can put it that way. Uh, so let's see what our uh, two guests have got to say about what's happening in the political world of the Labour Party and what the left should do, Phil Bevan and Dave Roberts. Dave, let me start with you, a former vice president of the Socialist Labour Party. We originally were just going to speak about the situation, as I said in the introduction there, as to you know what had happened in less than 19 councillors being called unceremoniously. As we saw a couple of weeks ago, and of course that's not not. I mean, I suppose that number is is fairly unusual, but I mean, many, many, many people are being thrown unceremoniously onto the scrap heap, and others are actually pre being prevented from putting their names forward to stand for election at local level or indeed at parliamentary level. So, what's your take on how things have developed, and how do you think the left should respond to this ongoing purge that the Labour Party is engaged in right now? Okay, yeah, thanks. Good evening, Chris. Good evening, Phil. Um, it might be worth just recapping for the uh, you know the viewers what's happened in Leicester, because it yes, is, it would be. Yeah, it's not, it's not just nineteen; it's a whole culling. It's uh, and it's a particular section of, of councillors. It turns out to be it's sixty percent of the black and Asian councillors have been unceremoniously removed. Obviously, with the connivance of the regional party and the NEC. All around the, um, uh, well, not simply, it, that isn't simply, it isn't a single issue. You, you will be aware that there was a, a motion put down to try and democratise the running of the city, to move it away from a single mayoral uh, diktat that Salisbury, uh, you know. Peter Salisbury, Sir Peter Salisbury. So, sorry, Sir Peter Salisbury. Peter Salisbury, um, yes, get it right, mate, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I referred... <laughs> I prefer to call him Peter because I, I remember yes. him uh, 40 years ago, duffel-coated hair, long beard, proud member of the CND, um, yeah. had a campaign uh, around why it was important for people to realise that Russia was not a threat to world peace and that, you know, mm. it was the West generally that made wars. Uh, yeah. I remember reading that literature quite recently. And that yeah. was his campaign literature of the day. Um, something about the Labour Party that I was thinking about today was um, it's the role of the Labour Party historically. And so how do you get from that Peter Salisbury 40 years ago in a duffel coat to the Lord Mayor with gold and airmen round his, round his neck? Uh, well, it's the Labour Party that does it, really. You know, that's part of its historic role, I think. Uh, so mm. for me, mm. it's always been to the left of the Labour Party. I've always seen that process going on. So... It's not. Although, uh, have, you said, have you said that, Dave? I know you're saying to the left of the Labour Party, but you, you, you did join the Labour Party when Jeremy became leader, and you did were the chair of your constituency Labour Party. And I think in your in your uh, in your speech for the role, I think you said something along the lines of, you know, you've always opposed the, the Labour Party and you know, throughout your entire political life. And if people are prepared to actually support you to take the role as the as the chair, then they need to 
you know, by the time I think you were elected unanimously, weren't you? So uh, I, I was uh, surprisingly, I, I was completely surprised myself. You're absolutely right. I made a speech saying I've spent my entire political career in this city standing against the Labour Party, everything it stood for, and campaigning for an independent working class voice to address working class issues that are, you know, ordinary workers suffer from in Leicester. And um, I, so a lot of them knew me anyway because I'd got a profile around elections. Um, and I was more than surprised that the decision, you yeah. know, 40, 50 people in the branch all raised their hands. Um, and But, of course, I, I honourably uh, resigned so I could come and support your election. Uh, yes, absolutely. You were my, my agent in 2019. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. After I'd been unceremoniously kicked yeah. out. So Jeremy, you know, the fate that, that's, that's befallen Jeremy now. Yeah. Um, just, just might be worth just reading a letter out to, sit, to sh demonstrate how... Uh, terse and how um, acrimonious this this breakup of the Labour Party is proving proving and uh, and I think um, will continue to prove and it might be worth having a discussion around what's driving this because it's not really just rousing the Labour Party of course it's it's, no. it's really about trying to get the Labour Party re-elected it's much bigger than that in terms of uh, what's happening in the broad society and I think it really is the establishment calling in the Labour Party to complete its historic task uh, at a very, very critical point for the for the ruling elite, uh, both in this country and in, and in the Western world. This, yeah. is a letter, this is a letter from one of the councillors um, who's been unceremoniously, and interestingly enough, this is one that decided to support the motion, or not support the motion to democratise the uh, uh, running of the city council. So this is... Yeah, uh, this was... Just, just to unpack that a little bit, Dave, I mean, this was to... Go back to a, a cabinet, yeah, cabinet on the cards rather than all the power being vested in an executive mayor into, into a single mayor into a cabinet committee structure so that uh, you know you could get all the talents in the room, that you could get differences of opinion, that you could get different parts of the city having their voice heard in the room, yeah, rather than yeah, yeah. a single you know, line sure. to a single dictator. So, seems perfectly reasonable for you know, and perfectly rational. But um, this is one councillor who's been unceremoniously uh, dumped, really, after uh, a lot of um, determined and good years of service to a, to a local community. Right. Dear City Mayor, brackets, Sir Peter. Sir Peter. <laughs> <laughs> I have emailed you privately and you have not replied. I am therefore emailing you publicly. And this is obviously where we've got it from. Uh, please, can you tell me why you and Councillor Mustafa Malik invited me to your office at City Hall the day before the special council meeting? That was the one to consider the motion about uh, changing the way the city was run, promising me that I had already been reselected and that my interview was great and that I am an excellent councillor. And if but if I voted against you and, and support the motion, then I will be automatically deselected. I have no record. I have a recording of this conversation. I have copied it into the uh, in the media into this email. I did vote against the motion, and yet I was still deselected. And it's because of a record. You both lied to me. Your dishonesty is shameful. And it's that word that um, Corbyn used as well, wasn't it? Shameful. Yes. Yes. You have reselected almost every white councillor, even the ones that do nothing, can't move uh, due to old age, and fall asleep at meetings. Um, yeah. I have no problems with the elderly, but naturally, most retire when they can't do the job anymore. 
Uh, you have deselected every single Hindu councillor and lost the Hindu vote, but kept all seat councillors. That's not strictly true. Um, I spent Sunday with um, some Sikh comrades and they were offering various Sikh activists, uh, you know, safe seats, uh, providing mm -hmm. they uh, supported the mayor's um, yeah. way of developing the city. <clears throat> A job should be given on based on hard work and merit, not because of selfish agendas. Not only have you lost the loyal, a loyal, hardworking supporter, you will now lose every Muslim and Hindu vote in the city. Good councillors left left the Labour Party and joined the Tories, Greens, and Independent, and that's true. Some of the some yeah. of the councillors have gone to the Tories, some have gone to the Greens, and some uh, have gone Independent. And I should say, it's not just that issue because there are a couple of councillors who left before that issue was on the table because they'd yeah. had enough. Of yeah. the autocratic, yeah. anti-democratic. A curious jump for some of them, though, Dave, to join the Tories. I mean, I've seen that happen before. It, that illustrates, doesn't it, that there was never really a, a, a political motivation uh, for those people to, you know, get elected in the first place. But the Labour Party seems to be appropriate vehicle. I've seen that happen in Derby. I've seen it happen in other localities. It's always very disappointing to, to uh, see that. I can maybe understand people joining the Greens, perhaps, although that's a very dodgy outfit. We could. You, got, you know, you could, could see some rationality in that. Yeah. But to jump from Labour to the to the, although having said that, of course, I don't know how much difference between Labour and Tories anymore, as we as we which we might get into in the discussion. But anyway, well, exactly. Uh, you have proven that the quote "trust no one" is not just a cliche; it, it's a phrase in reality. The sad mm -hmm. state of the world we live in, when politics, ego, evil, and power tear communities apart instead of compassion, kindness, responsibility, and love bringing people together. My hard work, charity, community and voluntary commitments remain with my communities. I will carry on doing this. My kindness, morals, values, compassion, honesty and integrity, academia and intellect have got me very far in my life. But your nastiness will not last. Mm. Yours sincerely, Councillor. Now, that is yeah. clearly acrimonious yeah. Uh, yeah. to the nth degree. It's, it's, it's not just the usual falling out. It's, mm. it's you know, I think it's because... It, the establishment realised it's the end of the role road for the Labour Party in its traditional role, which is, you know, actually keeping socialists and people who want to see radical socialist change to corral them in the Labour Party and keep it within the bounds of social reform rather than social revolution. And I really think that we're historically at a stage um, where the Labour Party is uh, it, it, it's moribund and it's dead now. And what we've got is a corpse of the old Labour Party that really is only kept twitching by, uh, you know, I think it was Trotsky who talked about the, the corpse of social reformers and being kept twitching by maggots who, you know, the corpse is dead, but there is still movement there. Um, but it's meaningless in terms of the future of um, society as we go forward. And, um, yeah. and you know, <clears throat> looking at where we are, the fascization of Britain, and it is becoming very, very, you know, apparent, I think. Um, the march towards war, the the anti-democratic uh, decisions that have been made by by the, the government, the Tory government, the uh, proroguing of parliament, we've seen the whole COVID re uh, regulations that have been part of that process which have all been, I think, you know, and we have almost like the Spanish Civil War on our hands, a dress rehearsal for the much bigger conflict. And, of course, they are talking about the bigger conflict to come. 
and preparing the ground. I don't know whether, whether anyone saw on um, Warner Koonsberg, the um, culture secretary, talking about the bleep that we're all going to get next week, which is the emergency. No. Oh, well, every phone is going to sound and you're going to get an emergency message which says this is a government emergency, national emergency um, warning system. Please, you know, and your phone stops apparently until you press that you've heard it. Um, and he, he was asked why, Lorna Coonsberg asked him, you know, what was that about? And he said, oh, well, it could be, it's about national emergencies. It could be about, uh, he said, uh, maybe there's a flood in an area and we need to warn people across a wider area that um, mm. you know, there's an emergency and they need to move or whatever or follow the instructions that right. you receive from, on your phone. And it was, it was like that. <clears throat> Within a week, Radio 4 on Saturday is uh, there's a show there where they look back at various uh, re uh, BBC radio forecasts uh, broadcasts, and they were looking at the um, the preparations for the nuclear bombing of Britain by Russia. Right. They've got all the reels from 25 years ago, and yeah. they actually related it to the this, yeah morning that we're well, all Ben next two three Ben weeks. Wallace Ben Wallace said war is coming within seven years, didn't he? A few yes. weeks back yes. to Britain, I'm so. So, I mean, this, this is a so just on this point before I bring Phil in, then, uh, Dave, what's your thoughts then about how the left should respond to, to this? Well, to you know, to the ongoing Labour purge, which is part of a wider agenda, I think you're setting out there. What should the left do? I mean, how should they respond to this? Well, it needs you know, there are no, there's no way around it. We need, we need a mass movement, and the mass movement needs a party, and, and the two need to go hand in hand. Um, and there's nothing fundamentally wrong with the infrastructure of the Labour Party in the sense of it has a broad appeal across society. It has direct links to the trade union movement. And it's for now, for now. Um, well, for now, for now, of course. But I'm, I'm talking about the, the, the Labour Party, as, uh, as we know. There's nothing wrong with that as a structure. The thing that was always wrong with it was its mission statement and what it was about and the lack of socialist direction and the lack of socialist politics and it's not unusual for the problem in britain particularly which was identified again by, by socialists in the past that you know britain suffers from a dearth of philosophy that mm -hmm. you know politically so you know everyone gets into the labor party for the activity and you know trying to tweak this or tweak that there's very yeah. discussion about actually what sort of society we're trying to build and what is going right with society and what's going wrong and how can we can yeah. ask big questions. None of that takes place. It takes place in, on the left of, it, the, of the Labour Party, but it's not the, you know, the, mm. the bones no, and meat. No, 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 absolutely, yeah. No, and no. we need a party that, to make it the bones and meat. That, that needs yeah, to Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, there was, I, guess, I guess there was a glimpse of, of some of that um, when, when Jeremy was elected and uh, those sorts of discussions were beginning to happen in the Labour Party. Much of the promise, though, of political assemblies being established around the country to talk about those sorts of things um, never really materialised in the way in which I hoped it would. I mean, it, you know, it sort of stuttered and faltered, but never really got going. And I think there's huge potential for that. We organised one in, in Derby where John McDonald, believe it or not, came along and spoke. It was very, very popular. I think three or 400 people turned up to it. People were really engaged, you know, talking about nitty-gritty political issues and, and people really felt that they got an opportunity to you know really have an influence and of course jeremy then embarked on the uh, community organizing uh, agenda and that again made 
a faltering start. I don't think it was ever resourced as well as it should have been. But part of the problem was the labour infrastructure, the bureaucracy was, was not fit for purpose. And one of the things that needed to be done was to get hold of the bureaucracy. One of the things I was arguing for is that Jeremy needed to put in a, a this is very difficult to just sack everybody, which is what needed to happen in reality, or well, the vast majority of them anyway, but to put in some regional supremo over the regional director, whatever, to steer the ship. I mean, I think a lot of people would have, would have left on that basis, but the way that bureaucracy was set up, both regionally and, of course, essentially, it was being used to sabotage Jeremy's, uh, Jeremy's uh, programme and, uh, you know, all the hopes that were invested in that. But, Phil, I mean, you worked directly for Jeremy uh, when he was the leader. We've seen now, which was inevitable, in my opinion, that this day was going to come. Uh, there was never any future for Jeremy, in my view, as a Labour MP. And I think what Jeremy ought to be doing now is throwing his lot in with another political party, as I've already mentioned, the Workers' Party, the Socialist Labour Party, and help us to rejuvenate it. Because, I mean, the Socialist Labour Party, you know, is, is a shadow of its former self, but it has huge potential, I think. Or indeed, Tusk, you know, the trade unionist and socialist coalition. But what, what's your thoughts on, on what's happened and, and how the left should respond to... Not just to Jeremy, really, but to you know, some of the stuff they've been talking about with regard to what's happening at a local level, this kind of stuff, which has been happening to a large extent under the radar. I guess a lot of people outside of Leicester won't be aware of this huge call that's, that's just, just uh, taken place. But what we're seeing is, is anybody who's associated, anybody who might be seen as a potential troublemaker in inverted commas, it's just being thrown out or prevented from standing in the, in the first place. And obviously, you know, Jeremy got a, got a huge following. How should he respond? How should the left respond? How well, should the socialist campaign group respond? <laughs> I'm not, I mean, part of my analysis, and as you know, Chris, I've been, um, because I work there, it's kind of been a bit of a project of mine to, to go, I was only in a minor role, didn't see all the conversations and stuff. So I'm, what I'm doing at the moment is I'm going back and trying to figure out what happened and, and align that with my experiences. Um, in terms of, uh, I think, what's happening now um i think you, you got it slightly wrong at the beginning chris when you said that it was clear that jeremy was going to stand against the labor party in his statement he's i mean one of the things i do is uh, document analysis and close reading in his statement he still referred to it as our party yeah, that's true that's true yeah so yeah I, my own view we had that article in the times um a few days ago which suggested that he would be standing as an independent um i i think that's a load of nonsense in terms of the content of that article. My, I don't know, I can't speak for Jeremy, but again, I'm reading what I see. And my uh, impression is probably that he's not made up his mind yet. Um, right, yeah. But I don't, you know, just because that that came out and it hasn't panned out and we've seen things like that before, um, talking about he might run for the mayor of London, that kind of stuff with very mm. similar framing. Um, and I think to really understand what's happening now, and how kind of we need to respond to it. I think we do need to kind of turn the clock back a little bit because a lot of the debate that happened, a lot of the, the talking um, about this that happens on the left is, oh, is, isn't Starmer bad? It's all Starmer. Um, Starmer's an authoritarian. I mean, that's all true. He is. He's terrible. Um, but as you will remember, Chris, in particular, um, this kind of authoritarianism isn't only um, something that's, linked to Keir Starmer. Oh, no, good Lord. Because, yeah, and absolutely. momentum itself 
has a track record of not quite such an extreme um, behavior, but similar kind of behavior. Um, for example, um, you know, I think it was 2017 when John Mansman basically just sort of overruled uh, all local structures in momentum. Oh, um, yes, I, I remember that. I remember that. I, mean, I think John, John Lansman was a fifth columnist. He, I think he was ever been a, a genuine socialist. I mean, I think the uh, evidence of the last few years proves that beyond any shadow of a doubt, in my opinion, anyway. And then you, then you had the whole um, thing around Jackie Walker. Um, and yeah. what's really interesting in there is that there's an article that came out in October uh, 2016, I think, and it was briefed to the New Statesman by um, various Momentum insiders, people actually quite high up, and they didn't, I don't think they, they identified themselves. But what they did say is that they, they distinguished between two types of left-wing people. So you had like the new left-wing Momentumites who were, um, you know, relatively mainstream and wanted to get on with mainstream Labour, the Blairites. Um, yeah. And by contrast, you have the canary reading conspiracy theorists. And what I am, I've seen and what I believe happened is that Momentum used the um, the kind of the the weaponization of anti-Semitism allegations, among other things, to purge the party of political undesirables. And they, that's and ultimately they supported that campaign. And I think it flows from that kind of ideology of this sort of mainstream professional political operation versus um, community activists, um, you know, fighting for their rights in their communities and real social change. Um, yeah. I'm sure they would dispute that, but that's my sense of it. Um, and also we, we kind of, and that really permeated every aspect of the Labour Party, including Corbyn's operation, because you had yeah. momentum people in there. Um, and so I think Ben Sellers has been talking about this kind of thing as well. So, yes, he was, uh, Ben Sellers was uh, headed up uh, Red Labour, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. And he's, he's now yeah. speaking out a bit. Uh, about, um, I think he's called like too many little generals. And, and that's kind of the problem is that you had yeah. a lot of people who, or a few people at the top who actually wanted to be in charge of everything. And that's a big thing with momentum. So yeah. the, the, my, my big point here, I guess, is that the authoritarianism of Keir Starmer isn't just a problem for the Labour right. It's a big issue for the Labour left as well. Um, and it's Do you consider momentum as part of the Labour left then? You think they are really left? Well, I don't think there is a Labour left, Chris. No, no. <laughs> I, mean, I say no. Labour left because um, you know it's 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 a kind of it's a term I have to hand, but I don't think there is a Labour left. Um, yeah, yeah. After my experiences, I think there's, I think there is, I think I don't really know what I'd call it, but the liberal liberals, <coughs> liberals. Yeah, um, yeah. There's, there's so that's my, my point is is that there is no. It's it's about careerism, which is why you're not seeing anybody come out come out and really stand by Jeremy, and it's why nobody came out and stood by you, Chris. Or you know, not well, not you. not a solitary soul. I mean, I mean to be fair, I mean one or two people have uh, pushed the boat out a little bit more than what they did for me or anybody else in that matter. Ken Livingston, Jackie Walker, Ken, mm. you know, Tony Grease, and all the people that we've often mentioned, and indeed less well-known activists. I mean, and again. 
without wanting to blow my intro, but I was the only MP that was prepared to uh, speak up. But we've seen Diane Abbott uh, issue a, a tweet uh, supporting Jeremy. We've seen John McDonald doing something similar, I think, um, which is a downside more than they did for me. But, I mean, it doesn't really amount to a row of beans. In reality, what they should have been doing, I mean, what they should have done, in fact, well, what they should have, I'm going to say, what they should have done is come out and support me. Or indeed, you know, well before that, I mean, as I was pleading with them to do, but certainly when I think Jer the whip was withdrawn from Jeremy, they should have issued an ultimatum to mm -hmm. Sakia Starmer to say, either you reinstate the whip within 24 hours, or we're all walking. And yeah. we're going to do a campaign to defund and uh, uh, disaffiliate within the trade union movement. They did none of those things. And, you know, the trade union movement, those I'm sure allegedly close to Jeremy, like Unite, when Len McCluskey was still the general secretary. I mean, they, you know, they talked strong, but then delivered very little. There's no, there no substance to the threat. And, uh, you know, inevitably, Starmer ignored it. Mm. Uh, but, I mean, what about the Socialist Campaign Group? I mean, you know, we see on social media lots of people saying that they should, you know, step aside now from the Labour Party. They should you know, join, you know, create a new political entity, a new political uh, vehicle uh, in solidarity to give people hope that there is, you know, give people a political choice. But, I mean, I don't think that's likely, given my experience of them. What, what do you think? And, and, and just and more broadly as well, Phil, as well as answering that point, this is a general thing. How should the left respond, as I say, to this Labour question? And I'm not talking about the so-called Labour left. I'm talking about the left mm. outside the Labour party. Well, I personally, I when it comes to members of the socialist campaign group still holding the Labour whip. Um, I would say, I don't think, would any would any party want them, given well, the lack of solidarity? And I think that that's my point on that. It's also my point on the Labour left in general, as, as I think um, there's some very good people in it, but the, the Labour left, as we experienced, um, is part of the problem. Um, and one of the big issues yeah. that Corbyn had is that he just did not have the backing from people, the Labour left. It wasn't there, as you experienced. With well, the I mean, you say that. I mean, I mean, I think he didn't have the backing of uh, senior figures on the so-called Labour left in the campaign mm. group and all the rest of it. But, I mean, there was massive support for him, wasn't there, in the country? Oh, yeah, yeah. From grassroots. Yeah. But in, which yeah, was never really, never really utilised that. But what, what we can do now... Um, I think you're right. I mean, I think one of the big things is campaigning to ensure that unions disaffiliate from Labour. Uh, I'm not sure how people feel about this, but I've cancelled my contribution to the political fund to Unite because um, I, I don't think, I think basically you need to hit them where it hurts. Um, and, I, and a lot of the we need to be that, We need to be slightly careful on that, if I just got to cross you there, Phil. I mean, I, I, I take your point about, you know, with, with withholding your contribution to the political fund at the moment. But of course, the political fund is much wider than simply affiliation to the Labour Party. And I think trade unions do need to have a political fund so that mm. they can campaign. This yeah. is part of the anti-trade union legislation that, that, that the Tories brought in, that so-called Labour government, the new Labour government under Blair and Brown, of course, never did anything mm. about it. They left all those anti-trade, or the vast majority of those anti-trade union measures in place. So I think it's, oh, yeah. it's important, yeah. I think, that we make that distinction, that when it comes mm. to a ballot about whether the unions should have a political fund, people need to be voting in favour of that because it's not just about affiliation to the Labour Party, is it? Uh, I, yeah, I, I fully agree with that. I mean, I, I agree with the political fund in principle. I think it's absolutely essential that there is one. Um, my point is using it as leverage because part of the problem yes, with yeah. the political fund is because it is separate to just, if there, it doesn't just go on the Labour Party, but a lot of the trade union funds 
also go into organizations that are not formally affiliated to the Labour Party, but are still used as effectively Labour Party outriders and are yeah. staffed mm. and, and organized by Labour Party people. And I think there's a whole informal structure of the not Labour left, but Labour aligned left that is part of the problem. And it's why it's harder for smaller parties to get off the ground. So, you know, we've got to be quite hard on this and just say, you know, no, no more. How, how should how should we go how should we go about doing that, Phil? I mean, and we've spoken about this on this show in the past. Mm. In terms of where the left then should respond, or how the left should respond, that's one of the things you're saying is that we should mount a, a, a you know defund and disaffiliate campaign. I mean, how should how, I mean how should that manifest itself, and what what needs to happen? Because we could talk about it, but but what practically needs to be done in order to Hmm. Individual trade union members can do what I did, basically, and write an email to um, yeah. the, the the general secretary or whoever and say, look, um, I believe in the political front, uh, fund in principle, but I'm not a Labour member. Um, the Labour Party isn't actually supporting workers, isn't going to support workers. It's persecuting Jeremy Corbyn. Um, and yeah. until um, you stop funding the Labour Party and any organisations that act as outriders to the Labour Party, I'm cancelling my political fund. And once you disaffiliate from the Labour Party, then I'll I'll get I'll give it back. Um, and I think that that's, well, that, that's so, so, so that's individual actions that, that individuals watching tonight can do and can encourage their colleagues to do likewise. What about any kind of formal organised response from the left outside the Labour Party, like the Workers' Party, like the Socialist mm. Labour Party, the Trade Union Socialist Coalition? What should they be doing, or well, if think, anything, yeah. in response to this ongoing purge? My personal view, I mean, I'm a member of the Workers' Party, but I don't speak for them on this. And um, although no. the, the trade union kind of affiliation thing is something that they're doing as well, I just happen to agree with it as well. Um, I think the model for what should ha what the left, the actual actual socialists should do, socialist organisations and the, the parties that you've mentioned, Chris, because I think they are the, the good ones, um, is... I like the idea of informally working together on areas of shared interest. And I think um, a good example of this recently was the No to NATO event, which you and um, George Galloway were both at, along with a whole range of other people, all, all with different views, speaking at that event uh, against NATO. And that way, it's just a way of bringing these organisations closer together over time um, because we're in a very small, we're all very small at the moment. We're not going to change the world yeah. um, individually. But if we can cooperate and collaborate over areas where we agree, eventually over time there might be a coming together and there might be some form of um, standing as a single party. But in the meantime, it's about just not getting each, in each other's way electorally yeah. and then also um, sharing platforms on issue where we can. And this is where yeah. I think, you know, what I would like, again, I don't <laughs> give advice to Jeremy because, you know, you wouldn't listen to it anyway, perhaps. But um, what I personally would like to see Jeremy do, I mean, I don't really mind <laughs> um, whether it's as an independent or whatever party he's in, but um, I really personally, I'd love to see him break from Labour. Um, and some of the infrastructure around that as well. But that's the issue. There's all this kind of stuff going on. But if he could do that and use it as a way of um, actually talking to you, Chris, and, and perhaps to George as well, 
and um, actually, I don't, is it um, Dave Nellis? Is he the Tusk? Yes, 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 um, he is, yeah, yeah. And actually using it as an opportunity to reach out beyond that very insipid liberal Labour left and build a broader alliance between actual socialists, because Jeremy Corbyn is, mm. is a socialist, he really is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that would, I think the thing is, we're going to do it anyway, whether he does it or not. But yeah. I think you know it'd be good to have him involved. One, he brings. Well, it would the, be very, uh, it would be very powerful. I think that yeah. you know the figures that you've like, without you know perhaps ex me excluded, but you know, but I think you know bringing those figures that you mentioned, George, and jo uh, George, and Gabe uh, <coughs> Nellis and, uh, and Jeremy together, and you know me in my small way, you know, uh, you know, it would send a very powerful signal, and uh, you know, could be very persuasive. I mean, yeah, the, you know, yeah. the biggest figure in, in, in that at the moment, of course, just in terms of the following because of the advent of social media and so on, is, of course, Jeremy. And he's got over two million followers mm. on social media right now. So he has a, you know, a huge pull, a huge sway with lots of people. And, uh, you know, if he were to do as you suggest, I think that, you know, that could be incredibly, mm. incredibly powerful uh, signal and uh, influential on mm. the outcome of the election i mean you know it wouldn't just be you know in jeremy's uh, constituency well that that could have an impact it could be mm. uh, on a much uh, a much wider field was there anything else you were just going to say before i go back today yeah no um, i i think i guess the point i was um I was, I was kind of trying to make with regards to jeremy is that um his sort of i don't know if you'd still call them allies but the other members you know the labor members of the socialist campaign group um have already sent the message to jeremy um, they, they've basically said that they're not going to follow him out the door, um, yeah. which means which means they, they've said you're on your own unless and, and John Lansman's been saying it um, as well. There's an article in oh, yeah, um, well, Labour List. Lansman, I mean, not that Lansman's anybody a, would expect any Lansman's a fifth. Lansman's a fifth columnist anyway. I mean, he's never um, been anybody I think who's been genuinely interested in building a socialist alternative. But anyway, yeah, I think I think. Um, so Jeremy's got a choice. He can either stay on as, uh, he can either fight and be Islington's MP next time as an independent or something else or whatever, um, yeah. or he can stay within the Labour fold and keep the same people around him who've frankly betrayed him um, and still kind of hang around with Labour MPs. Um, Landsman said, Landsman said that Jeremy would be, have a louder voice if he was an MP. Uh, and he was just in the party. I think that's absolute crap. Um, I think it's disingenuous, personally, or at least a disingenuous line of argument. Um, I, I think it's obvious that that wouldn't be the case because being an MP gives you a platform. It gives you a, a sense of credibility. So, of um, so yeah, I, th I think for the for the for the socialists, we'll just carry on doing what we're doing, and it is hard work. And there's not many of us, but just keep talking to each other building alliances, yeah. building campaigns, yeah. reaching out to ordinary members of the public, not necessarily just the left. Um, and then, you know, for Jeremy, would love for him to, to come on board and yeah. you know, bring his huge presence and following uh, yeah. with him and not listen to anybody like John Lansman or, frankly, anybody, in my view, who's been anywhere near momentum <laughs> ever. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> no, 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 leadership roles. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. By the way, apologies to our viewers. I don't know if you're seeing the jumpy picture of uh, Phil as I am. I mean, you look like a character from the 1980s called Max Headroom. 
which are jumping around all over the place. But uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's just my if it's just my system where that's happening. But you're still jumping around all over the place, aren't they? I don't know. I don't know what's going on. But to the Dave, I mean, what's your thoughts? I mean, how would you respond to some of the points that that uh, that Phil just mentioned there about the kind of individual action that uh, well, members I, could take? Well, I, 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 response yeah, as I, well. I'd go one step further to Phil's suggestion about in asking individuals to, you know, remove their support for the political fund. I, you know, a campaign around, uh, agree with political funds. Uh, at the end of the day, the political fund is about the trade unions trying to get political representation. That you, you know, that you, you tell them exactly where you are sending your political fund. That you've decided you're going to send your political fund to, if it's you, the Workers' Party, other people, Socialist Labour Party, Tusk, or whatever. We are sending. You know, et and you campaign for the union to disaffiliate and to join a proper socialist organization. And that, you know, you'll come back on board, you know, at the, at the end of the day, because at the end of the day, the rank and file of the unions are being had over by the Labour Party, um, you know, and historically, uh, but increasingly completely had over by, by the bureaucracy in, in the trade union movement uh, and its relationship with the Labour Party. And it's that campaign, a rank and file campaign within, within the trade union movement that I think we should focus on. Um, the, I've got a thing about, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm uh, slightly surprised to hear that you think Jeremy is may not, you know, stand against the Labour Party. Um, I mean, I think you're probably right. You could be right on that. Um, it's the thing um, I had about problem with people becoming independents, and you think, why have you become an independent? You know, the, I mean, it's, it's obviously the first step, isn't it? You you go out the door, and it's probably just you, and you have to become. So, but you say, um, I'm going to become independent. Well, what is that? You know, what's that mindset that says that that's a solution to a purge of your ideas? Is I will go away by myself and campaign for myself? You see. And I think that's a view of the sort of social democratic, almost you know, Christian Judaism um, view of the Labour Party or, or of politics yeah. generally is that actually is all we need to do is get good people to get you know you need to vote for a good person you know you need to stop voting for those bad people in the Labour Party or the Tory Party and vote for me because I'm a decent, honest person. Well, you know, that's how the church works. Vote for the vicar, follow the vicar, follow the what's it? You know, we in the Labour movement have got to. Build a movement which is, you know, a collective response to our problems. That mm. you know, it's not about representing people; it's about engaging people. Mm. It's not about asking people to vote for, you know. The electoral process is only is, is simply, and, and elections at any point in history are only an indication of the class consciousness of a particular sector of the community. If you get them voting for a really fiery, brand left Labour MP in a particular area of London. You've got some very conscious workers there. If if you've got you know them voting Tory uh, consistently in some other area, you've probably got a less conscious a bunch of workers. It, it really is that you know thing. What we have to do is build something entirely different that's never been built. The Labour Party you know was never intended to be a socialist no, no. party. You know it's Fabian history. It's clause four was written to stop the development of a revolutionary socialist movement in the UK. That's its yeah. whole purpose. And that's why I come back to the point. I think that, you know, this is the end, really. And I think the the, the panic, the, the fact that John McDonnell can support Corbyn but couldn't support Ken Livingston or yourself, Chris, now, now he comes out, 
It's not panicking about there goes another left, you know, awkward squad member that the Labour Party needs to, you know, move off the uh, out of the public eye because he's actually attracting a lot of support for some of his socialist ideas. Um, yeah. Two, actually, you can't do that, Keir. I think the thing is you can't do that, Keir, because you're likely to put the last bloody nail in the this Labour Party and its historic role of corralling the working class and keeping it within the parameters of social reform. You know, this yeah. is your danger. And I'm sure that's left Labour left's concern about the Corbyn thing. And I also want, you know, why on earth as a socialist and with a following that Jeremy's got and with the perspective that he's got and his record on a lot of issues, why on earth would you want to go back into the Labour Party? You know, why would you be clamouring to get back in there? Because it, it's, you know, what? To have another hundred years of its history, to repeat, rerun that for the next three generations. Um, I, I just can't, you know, get the head around why people... The short time I spent in, in the Labour Party, which was only during the Corbyn period for over six to eight months, I mean, I was... I mean, I've been told stories, but I was uh, slightly surprised at the acrimony, the backbiting, the factionalising, the the ripping of each other apart, even at branch level, the way that people who were solicitors, teachers, you know, bloody lawyers, stood for being abused by yeah. the party machinery. And I couldn't get out, you know, why do you stand for this? Why on earth do you stand for this? Uh, and, Stockholm you know, syndrome, mate. Stockholm okay, syndrome, mate. Stockholm syndrome. There is definitely a, a, a psychology at work, you know. Um, I mean, I, and you know, and I think what you've got with the Labour Party now, in I think terminal decline historically, uh, and pretty shortly to be, you know, probably finished. Um, you know, you, you've got in, you've got institutional paranoia, political paranoia, and when you've got when you've got an individual at the centre of a national party reaching down to the ward councillors on the back streets of Leicester and examining yeah. or being told what it is they think and what it is they don't think and why they should be unceremoniously tipped out. You really are dealing with mass mm. political paranoia at, mm. at the centre of an organisation. You know, that it can't even, any dissent, any dissent cannot be, you know, entertained by, by this organization now and why you'd want to go back to that organization well because because the corbyn era of course the corbyn success was that three hundred thousand new members who were all you know they weren't old hacks that were coming somewhere myself um they weren't they were predominantly young people uh, a new generation aspiring for a new world actually aspiring for a new world and they saw corbyn as possibly the person that could galvanize yes them indeed and, and, and I think he could, and I think he could have been that. Um, and I think he but, could, you know, could be. but what I'm saying is, but that's the sort of movement that we need to be building now. That's the sort yeah. of approach that we need to orientate around, not, you know, the left of the Labour Party or whether the Labour Party needs to be, whether people need to go back into that Labour Party or whether unions need to stay in. And what will happen is that 300,000 new members, lo loads of those were, of course, bloody trade unionists. They will be yes, the people. Of course. Those, no, no, were, absolutely, yeah, yeah. But just, just, just on your point, I just on your point, Dave, about you know this is a kind of death knell for the Labour Party. I mean, and I hope that's true. My fear is it, it might sort of continue just as a kind of an alternative to the Conservative Party with the 
support that it has of the establishment, the corporate media, etc. Do you think the left, I mean, I think the left needs to come together to actually make this happen, but do you think the left, if it can do that, actually has a chance of destroying the Labour Party and replacing it with, a, with, with an alternative vehicle I, then? I, I mean, what, yeah, what do you mean when you say it's the kind of, you know, the death knell for the Labour Party? I mean, just to well, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, Yeah, I'm not, I'm not even convinced at this stage that the Labour Party is going to win the next election. No, no. Because, simply because, workers aren't stupid. And if you're given a choice between the, the only choice on the table at the ballot box, well, and they'll probably not turn up in their droves, um, yeah. if the only choice is the real Conservative Party or the fake Labour Conservative Party, then who are you going to vote for? You know, if you're an individual voter, you vote for the genuine article, don't you? Yeah. Or you just stay away. Or you, or you stay, stay away. away. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just to come in on, on you there, Dave. Sorry, my, my uh, camera or signal or whatever is getting increasingly bad. But um, you're stable now, mate. You're not, you're not, you're not dancing <laughs> around like Max Headroom now. So, uh, yeah, carry on. Um, so I, I, I basically agree with what you've just said. <laughs> Pretty much everything you've just said, Dave, there or thereabouts. Um, just so I wanted to add that... Um, uh, the the actual actual local election results are not bearing out the massive polling lead that uh, Labour is supposed to have. And I, I, looking at polling, I mean, I've, I've done a bit of this. If you look researching polling, if, if you um, it, it's looking at the trends, and the best thing to do is look at trends in real elections, not in fake uh, fake polls. If, you know, hypothetical polls. And I, looking at real elections, I think Keir Starmer's Labour Party is actually in a fair amount of trouble. And I, I wonder if they sense that. And I wonder if that's why they are um, they are doing what they're doing, why this paranoia exists. That's just a, a thought. Maybe, um, maybe. But I mean, my hope is that if we can persuade the left to collaborate and come together, if we can inspire people to take the sort of action that you're talking about, Phil, uh, individual and indeed built upon by what Dave was saying as well, then, and given that what I was saying about the poll suggesting that two out of three Britons want to see an alternative vehicle to Labour and the Tories, then maybe there is hope for us. I mean, we have to retain that hope. But Dave, just in terms of, you mentioned the independent, people kind of going off. I know loads of people that's done that, you know, and I've tried to say, oh, join the SLP or stand as a workers' party or Tusk. To be fair, many are joining joining together as Tulsk and some are Workers' Party as well. Um, uh, and indeed, I think some of the people in Leicester, at least one anyway, I believe in Leicester has joined uh, Tusk and is going to be standing as a Tusk uh, candidate. I mean, I'm hoping that when the dust settles after the election, that we can get, hopefully get all of these people maybe in a room and, and talk about how, you know, we can collectivise their their struggle, their endeavour on, on, the, on the local level. Because, you know... As you say, really, I mean, look, you know, if you just sort of uh, resign to you know, focus on you know, what you can do as an individual independent councillor in your particular ward, I mean, we don't have much influence on the council, never mind on the national scene. And we've got a massive crisis, haven't we, facing the cost of living catastrophe befalling the country, the potential of a bloody war. Um, do you think there's hope that we can get some of the people that have you know gone in that direction and stood as independents to see the importance of of collective action. I mean, we often talk, don't we, the Labour movement about unity as strength. You know, uh, um, we need to be putting that into practice, don't we? 
No, absolutely, and I, and I think that's um, and, and I think that's part of the, the strategy that we need to develop in terms of an orientation to the trade union movement, wider communities. Um, uh, it's interesting. Um, you see that three hundred. I, I keep referring to that three hundred thousand new supporters around Corbyn who've not gone away. They may have left the you know left the party and and, and gone off. They're still there. They've still got all the same issues that they 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 joined the the Corbyn project. You know, they're still facing all those issues. And let's look across to France. It's only 26 miles away. Oh, and it's look inspiring. Right Absolutely it's inspiring. inspiring. I don't know where you saw Channel 4 News last night, but there was a really no. two things. Patrick, uh, I forget his name, the Irish reporter on Channel 4 News. Oh, Patrick. yeah, I know you mean, yeah. yeah, um, yeah. I've seen him in loads and loads of war zones. Um, last night, I've never seen him with an, in a helmet and a flat jacket. Really? And he is, really? and he's on the Champs Elysees in central Paris. <laughs> I thought <laughs> this is interesting, yeah. and it really is yeah. looking like a 1968 situation because they were mm. talking about the three pillars of power in France: Parliament, President, and the people on the streets. And that, yeah, that yeah, yeah. people on the streets are on the ascendancy. And they interviewed, yeah. and he was walking down interviewing loads of young people who were, yeah. you know, having a bit, you know, becoming a, a carnival of um, uh, of a demonstration. And he was saying to them, you know. We'd never get young people in Britain to do that. He said, you, you're striking for pensions. You're 21 years of age and you're striking for pensions. Uh, we'd never get the youth of Britain coming out like this. You know, what makes this different? And they said social solid. They, well, first of all, they said, we're not striking. We're not striking about pensions or, or Macron. We're striking for our grandparents and our parents. Yeah. Yeah. Good uh, for them. Uh, intergenerational. Uh, and, and we want another um member of the demonstration followed on and said, we have and have had for years, and it is the slight difference, um, social solidarity in France. And it's that that has been turned over by the attempt to turn it over by Macron. Dave, I think, I think we had social solidarity in this country to some extent, but it was wrecked, wasn't it, by successive governments from, from well, from Healy and Callaghan to Thatcher to uh, Major to Blair no to Brown. Society was the famous uh, idea. Yeah back the state no such thing as society mm. um so it's it's a bit of the, you know yeah. and i suspect yeah. our 300 our 300 members of the labor party are no different to that french youth generation no no i agree yeah no, need... I mean, what people used to say people used yeah. to say you know you never get people turning out in the numbers that used to be in the 1970s you don't get people to meetings and we saw thousands of people turning up for jeremy's <laughs> meetings when he stood yeah, yeah, as the exactly. uh, i remember we went to Parliament Square when the coup, uh, mm. or, I think it was either the night before or, or the day after uh, the coup against Jeremy, the PLP pushed that. I think it was actually the night before the the, um, the vote of no confidence in Jeremy. And I remember Tosh McDonald, who was the vice president, uh, sorry, not the vice president, the president of the, the train drivers union, saying that uh, we had massive meetings when Jeremy stood for the leader last time, but next time we're going to have to have, I'm going to have to hire Sports stadiums to accommodate the numbers of people turning out. Now, we didn't, well, actually, there was an occasion where he did speak to a sports stadium. Now, we may not have hired sports stadiums, but we had to have all those mm. rallies outdoors. Thousands of people turned on. Mm. The entire I mean, place where I live in Derby, near the Cathedral Green, it was completely mm. packed with thousands and thousands of, of people, which you could not have fitted into the roundhouse in Derby when Jeremy came. That was packed when Jeremy came. We thought that was brilliant in 2015. So, you know, if you give people you know, the impetus, if you give them the reason and to, to feel inspired, to give them the reason to vote to get engaged, they will turn out, I think, in this country, yeah, just mean, as they're doing in... Yeah. But sorry, I think David just was just going to say oh, something else and bring yeah. it back up. And I, I was just going to come back to the, the Corbyn phenomenon of, you know, 
he's clearly aware of all that. He's clearly aware of uh, how much influence he can have and what potential uh, his followers and him has to build something, yeah. you know, outside the Labour Party, a mass uh, movement outside the Labour Party. But of course, you know, what will we see? Um, <laughs> the mindset of our party and you know, yeah, I, mean, yeah, I, can, yeah. I can remember Tony Benn before he died. I can remember being in meetings with him and, you know, Labour Labour Party through and through. It's the, yeah. And I used to say, you know, well, don't worry about it. You know, the thing is a bird. It was the thing about a bird having two wings was his famous. Mm. Yeah. In order to fly, I remember a meeting standing up and saying to him, Tony, it's not a problem, the bird having two wings. It's where the fucking bird's flying to. Is the yeah, problem? Yeah, yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. What the Labour Party Absolutely. will never get round yeah. to discussing. You know, mm. never get round. Phil, to Phil, just briefly then, because I want to just ask one other question before you go. We've only got about a few minutes left now. So, okay. well, Phil, what was you just going to say? Um, I was just going to say, actually, um, Jeremy is very uh, self-effacing. So, um, if you ever spoke to him, I mean, as I have, I don't think that he would acknowledge the power that he has, because he would say it's all down to all these other people. Um, and I think there's an element of the problem there as well, because, you know, it's, he sees himself as part of the Labour Party and it's all part of a collective effort. Now, I'm not saying he's not going to stand as an independent. I'm saying I don't know. No, I'm no, saying we shouldn't no. assume that he is. Um, in terms of just quickly on the social solidarity point uh, and going back to momentum, in many ways, their social philosophy, I think, is a continuation of Blair era identity politics. Yeah, and again, yeah. you've got an element of, and this is part of um, kind of containing Corbyn and Corbynism within the Labour Party again. It's they will not allow you to be kind of part of the wider left as defined by momentum if you leave Labour. So it's all about containing them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just very briefly then, uh, we've only got about three minutes. We might just sort of go slightly over. I'll just go to you, Phil, and then get your reaction as well, David, for me. I, I saw a couple of days ago that there were a substantial number of socialist members of the Unite National Executive Committee who are pushing for disaffiliation from the Labour Party. Are you hopeful, Phil, that that will succeed? And does that give us hope that, you know, this disaffiliation campaign is gaining some traction now? Um, well, I'm always hopeful that it would succeed. I don't know if it will this time, but I'm really, really happy that they're doing it. I think that's yeah. the thing, is that this debate is happening and people, not only are people talking about it, they're, they're trying to do it. And so even if it doesn't succeed this time, there will be a next time. And I think that's fantastic. I think I mean, it's absolutely yeah. brilliant. Dave, in the last couple of minutes, what's your thoughts on Unite? I, I'm, I'm hoping they will disaffiliate and I'll be, you know, I'm a Unite member and I'll be campaigning for disaffiliation and not just disaffiliation, but for the funding of so, uh, socialist alternatives. Um, no, no, indeed. I mean, we're all said. obviously hopeful. We're all hopeful, Dave. I mean, do you think, though, the fact that, that, that I think there's 10 of them on the NEC, I'm not sure how many is on the Unite NEC, actually, but that's a substantial proportion. Do you think that given that there is this substantial block on the NEC, that that means that it's more likely to succeed or not what's your thoughts on that i i you know i don't hold out uh hope for the current leadership of the of unite um even no. if it left at the moment because it still is you know i remember i mean mccluskey when austerity and i work in a project that was nearly wiped out with austerity unite 
said McCluskey said they would not allow austerity to be implemented by the then government that they would organize they, they couldn't organize a general strike they would organize a whole series of coordinated strikes and prevent austerity there wasn't a single strike called um, and they're not strikes uh, there was demonstrations which take place on a Saturday on my time and workers time and not the boss's time so you know they're, they're no, practically no. ineffectual unlike the French who seem to know how to organize these things much better but, but this decision though Dave it won't be down to the leadership will it I mean if they push it it'll be down to the conference won't it I mean and yeah. you think they've got it'll be down to the conference, the conference. And, and you yeah. know we're already letters are already out yeah well you would have had one fill about retaining the political uh, levy um uh, and they're already out and they're campaigning around you know it keeping it and obviously the the implication being support for the labor party or its direction going to the labor party um can i just come back to the point that phil made which, uh, about jeremy's yeah. self this, this this will be the last word then we'll, okay. we'll have to close my friend all right on, well, i think uh, it's just an quite you know the, the brief uh, association of our with marxism yeah, i think it was lenin who, who said you know at different points of history you know classes are led by parties parties are led by committees and committees are led by individuals and at, at specific points of history individuals can actually represent the interest of the entire class you know at specific points and that's what you know people the labor left and people like you know corbyn when he's had movements built around him has not realized and you know if he self effaces out of that responsibility then it, that really is a, a shame it is a shame well on that hopeful note and that quote from from the, the great lenin we're going to have to close it there let me thank dave roberts and phil bevan i think it's been a really stimulating discussion i hope it's uh, encouraged people watching this evening to take some of the actions that dave and phil I've been recommending that you do. This is a topic I think we're going to have to return to in the fullness of time. Uh, I think Phil and Dave are a great double act. We've had you two on before, and it's always been really, really interesting show when we've got you two together. So we might need to make you a regular feature of the pair of you. Thank you both for joining us this evening. Thank you, everybody, for watching this evening. Hopefully we'll be back next week at the same time on Resistance TV. So until then, enjoy the rest of the evening and good night.